It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, Brendel, Steve here. Hey, Lars. And welcome to the first... Retro review of 2023, and this week, thanks to the patrons and YouTube channel members, they voted. We put two options up on the table, the first WWF Raw and the first WCW Nitro, and uh, here we are. Survey says. Uh, survey says another one for Ted Turner. Uh, we're doing WCW Nitro today on the, on the first retro review of 2023. We're going to do one of these a month. I feel like yeah. one a month one, is good. One a month is good, especially if we're doing, you know, not three-hour pay-per-views, but shorter shows. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Not everything's going to be a three-hour pay-per-view. We might do, like, a three-hour pay-per-view Maybe. here and there Maybe. if it's appropriate. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, um, we'll do, uh, you know, these, these old, especially these old episodes, are like 45 minutes long. Uh, and so that's that's pretty manageable for us on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. And then you know when it maybe maybe like we're all, we'll do our own big four. We'll do like an actual pay per view. Could be yeah. uh, at yeah. some point. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it all works out. Uh, but yeah, this week we're doing. It's funny. I'm glad that we're doing the first Nitro because I've, I've told you over the past couple of days. I uh, I did a rewatch on uh, Monday night, the very first Monday Night Raw, and uh, I, I you know. I, Eventually, when 98 rolled around, I became firmly a WWE guy. I have mm-hmm. no regrets about that. Mm-hmm. That first Raw from 93 is dog shit. <laughs> it is not good. A lot of WWE's product from like 92 to 95, 6, not mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. A lot of bad yeah. there. Yeah. It's, it's funny. What's interesting to me is like sort of doing a little bit of research into all this stuff is – how w I, and it's funny because somebody asked me the other day on on like a wrestle juice video yeah i got this guy evans nitro book right yeah, here right? i have that somewhere too and they asked what other wrestling thing would you like to see a, a deep dive on and and my answer was like vince in the territories now i've got a book about that but it's very dry and this is this is a pretty colorful book yeah um and uh but you know what i'd actually like to read up on because it's still kind of confusing to me is WWF's TV 
philosophy before raw because if you if you remember there was so they still they had shows on cable mm-hmm. but like so much of their programming so much of the the, the cable programming was let's see what happened in New York. Yep. Let's see what happened here. Let's see what happened here. It was piecing together stuff that they had filmed from all over the yeah, place. Yeah, so they were or they from were, their their loop. Anyways. They were taping live events that airing matches from that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right? Yeah, there exactly. Were, there was, and like for example, superstars for the longest time, you'd have a match or two, maybe three, but then there was all sorts of little vignettes, mm-hmm, you yeah. know, character vignettes. And the Tuesday Night Titans was the one I believe where Vince had the talk show set. Maybe that's where his love of talk show segments began. Could be, yeah. Um, yeah, their programming was kind of all over the place prior to Raw. When, when, with the birth of Raw, a lot of it kind of seemed to coalesce around Raw being the centerpiece of their their larger programming schedule. Yeah, that, which is pretty interesting. Like during that first episode of Raw, they like aired a, a commercial. It was like, "Hey, New York, be sure to watch this show on your you know local station." Yeah, when stuff was still syndicated. At- yeah. Right. Yeah. It was, it was all syndication stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I don't know that aspect was pretty interesting. So the fact that they started, you know, raw started going, you know, uh, weekly, you know, not, it wasn't always like, you know, they would do live, but they would do tapings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it was kind of interesting. They have, there's like your, the center of your programming universe only started with raw instead mm-hmm. of, you know, back during the Hogan, uh, uh, WWF days. And then of course, two years later, we get the first episode of, of nitro, and uh, and of course, it was just, you know, as 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 this book, you know, sort of tells the story, they, they really just want to make money off of WCW yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and they weren't doing that. Yeah. And uh, and Bischoff's goal as a young executive at the time was let, let me actually turn a dollar here. Mm-hmm. Let me let me get in the black, so to speak. Um, and so Ted Turner, you know, the story we've all heard, Ted Turner's like, well, what do you need? And in my mind, of course, it's a. Uh, What's his name? Will Forte. Yeah. As Ted Turner. Writing Ted Jr. Yes. <laughs> right. What do you need? And then uh, and Bischoff said, you know, let's go head to head with with Monday Night Raw, which is kind of a dog shit program. I'm sure yeah. anything could yeah. beat that. At this anything point. we do has got to be better than Raw. Take a look at it. <laughs> right. Exactly. What was also interesting in this book was Bischoff had said that uh, as part of the launch of Nitro, they did some extensive research. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they just didn't decide, hey, let's just run a show against WWF. And so WWE's philosophy at the time, and you can go back and watch Raw's, like the especially the first couple of years of Raw's, their main philosophy was matches that are competitive belong on pay-per-view. <laughs> and everything else, you know, or unless it's like NBC's Saturday Night Main Event or whatever. Like that, yeah. But like for the big special shows, that's where competitive matches happened. Everything else was basically just jobber. It matches. was like darker was elevation, AEW darker elevation. Yeah, yeah. Right. That was their that was their TV programming strategy, and uh, and Bischoff, you know, through his his research uh, or through the research that that they paid to have done, discovered that people want something more compelling. That's basically how he puts it in the book. He's like, it was fascinating to see that people want something that's compelling. <laughs> And so, and so we, we set out to make something that was compelling and not just obligatory TV. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and so even in the first match, uh, on the first nitro, which was Jushin Thunder Liger versus Brian Pillman Bischoff as commentator, uh, makes a point of saying, uh, you know, these two have styles that are very evenly matched and look at how they go back and forth. And it is a really good match. I'm kind of surprised Dave Meltzer only gave it like three and a half stars. It's a very Dave Meltzer thing to do. Yeah, yeah. 
but it's it's a really good match. I mean, it would it would probably you know belong uh, in a sort of a best of a super juniors type setting. Um, but it, it was it was a really good match, and and yeah, like you have uh, you know the second match on the show was Sting versus Flair, which is you know uh, it's what's interesting to me about this about the write up on on all this is that. Bischoff did, you know, even with him bringing cruiserweights in a little bit later, he really did want to bring some level of, okay, this isn't just the normal fucking shit you get from yeah. WWF. Yeah. We're going to give you something different. Yeah. Right. And so bringing in cruiserweights, bringing in luchadors, et cetera, et cetera, you're going to get some thrilling wrestling. Uh, I mean, Flair and Sting had to, had to follow Pillman and and Juice and Thunder Liger. They didn't have like a cool down match. It was like, no, let's go right into these guys who historically have been amazing chemistry to the company too. Yeah. yeah um, going know. back to Liger and Pillman, this was a, that was at least their second match. They had a match back in 1992 at mm. Super Brawl. Okay. Um, they have another one too. No, that's Super Brawl too. I felt like they had maybe had another one, but I could be wrong about that. So it was. You know, a, 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 a rivalry they revisited, probably because mm. they knew the outcome, the results of yeah. that match would probably be really solid. Hey, let's kick off our show with something that WWF, for the most part, ain't doing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also kind of interesting. So just looking at a little bit of the history before we dive into the minutiae of the show, um, it was kind of interesting that so they the, the this first episode of Nitro was on September 4th, 1995. Um, September 4th was, and the prior week, August 28th, mm-hmm. WWE, for whatever reason, I didn't see this, or I didn't see the reason why, but they were preempted. They they, they, they did not run shows. So was it those, the dog show, the Kennel Club dog show? I, it probably was the dog show. Was it running back in West the West Mr. Kennel Club dog show? Probably. I mean, it was running in 98, I know, yeah. so it had, yeah, wouldn't shock me. Maybe that was it. But they weren't running. What I noticed when I watched the preceding episode of Raw from August 21st, mm-hmm. And then the one after it was the September 11th episode of Raw. The first one they went head to head. They had a brand new intro with Ooh. like a with like some fucking weird like half country sounding song. And they filmed like a bunch of weird shit. Like they filmed like on on seeming on it's probably 16 millimeter just shot really nicely, but it was on film. They shot like Nash and a couple others in the ring. And then like Shawn Michaels is on top of the building dancing while a helicopter goes by. It's the first time that McMahon had brought in some cop cars. Uh, and then like Shawn Michaels like dives off the roof to get into the ring. It's very cinematic. The intro that Vince McMahon had countered seemingly Nitro with because Nitro, of course, had that like, you know, the city, the the, the city street mm-hmm. uh, with like the fire going everywhere yeah, yeah, and yeah, shots yeah. of all the wrestlers and stuff. And so McMahon did, you know, he went from the that to like something completely oh, man, a bit more contemporary. Way, way better. <laughs> well, he'd been using it for like two years. Like, why should I? Why should I change it? There's no need to. Nobody's gonna oppose me. And then they did and with then, this and awesome. Then he went to some. Was it like Chris Gaines? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It sounded like Chris totally did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Vash here says the first Westminster show took place on May eighth, eighteen seventy seven. Well, there you go. That's, when, that's Westminster Kettle Club. Um, before we get that's into when it first aired on on USA Network. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about uh, the venue as well. Talk about the Mall of America. Yeah, right. Uh, constructed yeah. in 92, about three years prior. 
Um, mm-hmm. I always found this interesting. I've never been there, but I believe I've driven by it because it's out in okay, Bloomington, sure. Minnesota, in like suburban uh, Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And it's built on the site of where the Twins and the Vikings used to play, the old Metropolitan Stadium. Ah, Tore it down. Okay. They built the Metrodome uh, mm-hmm. uh, downtown. Mm-hmm. And then they built the Mall of America on that site. Is the Mall of America still standing? Yeah, it's still there. It's still there. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't really, I don't, the thing about the, the Mall of America, it's just, it's just, it's like the large, it was like the largest mall in America. Yeah. But the second, but it, was, it was still cl- smaller than the one in Edmonton. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, you know, America. Uh, it's just, it doesn't sound that appealing. It's just a lot of mall. Yeah. Like, what if you need to go from like Sears on one end to like, I don't know, uh, GameStop or Radio Shack, Suncoast. Yes. Yeah, Sun on Coast. the other there end. There you go. Yeah. That just sounds like a pain in the ass. Like, I don't need that much mall. No, it's too much mall. I think the mall up in, in Roseville is too much mall. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. One thing I was not able to ascertain was if, and I I imagine probably was, the reason why they did Mall of America was because of pasta mania. Because, like, I feel like, like, you know, Hogan, obviously, he probably had the most complex contract. At the time, yeah. At the time, you know, up until 2022 with Cody Rhodes in WWE. But, you know, there's a very blatant promo for Pasta Mania as well uh, during this, uh, which is it's, it's, it's hilarious. It's so comical. Of course, Pasta Mania only lasts like a couple months. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, but uh, but, yeah, I wonder if they I wonder if Hogan was able if he had that much sway, if he had that much stroke that he was able to convince them. Hey, brother, got a great idea. What about Mall of America? It's next to Pasta Mania synergy, brother. And then they were like. Fuck it, why not? We'll do it in a mall. Yeah. It's different. Yeah, it's different. You know? Imagine that might have been the allure too. It's like, well, it's a different venue. It's not a theater. It's not a small arena. Um, it's a different visual. Yeah, I wonder. I, I wonder if that was the case. Oddly, in the book, I I I looked 
quite a bit, and I couldn't find the reason why doing it Mall of America. Because pretty quickly afterwards, I mean, like the next week, they started doing like a normal circuit, like yeah, they yeah, did yeah. arenas. It's not like they went to like fucking you know like parks. And uh, well, I guess they did. They did beaches here and there. Well, they uh, did Sturgis. They did Sturgis. And yeah, they did Panama so they did, City yeah. during spring break. So that's true. Yeah, yeah. So they they would go outside the box a little bit. Yeah. Um, a couple weeks before this episode. Uh, WWF Raw, just to con- you know, continue with the comparison aspect of things. Uh, this is what was booked on the previous episode of Raw. So this is what they were competing with. Men on a Mission defeated Roy Raymond and Joe Hancock in 2 minutes and 47 seconds. Squash match. X-Pac, the 1-2-3 kid, defeated the Brooklyn Brawler in 1 minute and 32 seconds. At that point, it seems like a beat-the-clock challenge it on does Raw. Seem like- <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the Undertaker would have lost because he defeated Tatanka in six minutes and 41 seconds. After that, wasn't the main event, though. Before the main event, we had Jean-Pierre Lafitte defeating Scott Taylor. In all of three really minutes much change, yes. <laughs> three minutes. And then Diesel and the British Bulldog defeated Men on a Mission. So they had two matches. That one ended in no contest after about two minutes and 20 seconds, though. Right, yeah, yeah. So a thrilling episode of Raw. It sounds like it. Uh, the first Nitro, sorry, I have Raw here. The first Nitro did 2.75 million uh, people. It was a 2.9 rating, which is around two and three quarters million people. Mm-hmm. Which I know things are all things are different now. Things are different now. I'm sure, like including plus threes and social media. I'm sure more people are exposed to an average episode of SmackDown these so, days. Yeah. But in terms of overall viewership, SmackDown these days would be pretty happy to get two points. Oh, yeah, that'd be ecstatic. Hell, Raw would be uh, over the moon. What did, uh, what, did, what, did the, what did the scene episode recently do? Was that 2.6? Oh, was it that high? Uh, it was high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, it did really well. I think it was like 2.6 million. That's pretty good. That's a good number. Um, it's funny because the, uh, the first head-to-head, the one I talked about with like the new intro and stuff, it was also advertised that week, coincidentally. As or not coincidentally, as the new fall season of Monday Night Raw begins tonight. Be besides having a new intro, there was anything really new to generate some measure of excitement for the same show. Oh, okay. So yeah, Jean Pierre Lafitte is now PCO. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I figured that was probably the case. Uh, September 11th, so the second week that Nitro is in existence, WCW actually beat Raw in the first head-to-head, 2.5 to 2.3. That's the rating. So the actual viewership would be closer to, like, what, 2.2 2, 2. million to 2.1 million, something like something that. Something like that, yeah. That sounds about right. Uh, but then by September 18th, WWF back on top ah. by, like, I don't know, 100,000 people or something like that. This is all before those 83 weeks. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. Exactly. Oh, here we go. White uh, Brownie has it here. Yeah, White Bischoff great. chose Mall of America. WCW had not been drawing an audience for a long, long time. We had a hard time getting people to come to television taping, so the idea of going to Mall of America was a way to have the event in a really interesting, unique environment and atmosphere without having to worry uh, whether we'd be able to get put 5,000 or 10,000 people in the arena. So it was a bit of camouflage and a lot of smoke and mirrors, but it worked. Eric Bischoff lies about everything. That shit was because of pasta mania. <laughs> <laughs> that bullshit is just said because Hogan really wanted to push pasta, pasta mania. mania, brother. I can't wait till we get to Hogan's uh, promo on uh, Big Bubba Rogers at pasta mania. Oh my goodness. Um, so, uh, so, anyways, we open up with a sweeping Mall of America shot. Uh, I was kind of surprised at how few cars seem to be there. Uh, given how, but I mean, it's like a giant mall. So yeah, it's probably a giant, several parking garages and it spread out <laughs> over the course of a giant mall. 
Right, exactly. The thing that stood out to me also is when they show the inside. Like, you know, the, we get we get like sort of a crane shot of the actual ring. And even from far away, it looked dirty as fuck. Like, they did not get a new ring mat. Yeah. Like, a, you know, the, the, the ring apron or whatever yeah, it's yeah. called. Uh, this was, there was no WCW logo on it. It was just, it looked so completely worn. <laughs> In the middle, like they were just trotting the same fucking piece of it was just uh, missing, uh, missing the duct tape you see on uh, the canvases of independent shows. Yeah, no, yeah. you're exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're introduced to Steve McMichael, uh, and they really introduced him. So I'm pretty sure this is the first time he did anything with WCW. I could be wrong about that. Uh, it's within moments that he, he has a dig at WWF, but it was kind of a confusing one. It was like, this ain't uh, coming to you from no farmhouse or something like that. And uh, and there were several times when uh, they take digs at WWF. It's, mm-hmm. It all seems very self-conscious. Uh, and then Bobby the Brain Heenan comes in, and he goes to shake Mongo's hand, and Mongo has a hand buzzer. Oh, wow. And he says, never know what to expect from Mongo. And Heenan's like, oh, fuck off, man. Yeah, he's a real Mongo, I guess, back then on the commentary is a real wild card, huh? Yeah, pretty much. In wild card, you mean you just don't understand what the fuck he's talking about half the time. Uh, it was kind of cool because a little bit later on the episode, he steps up to, to Scott Norton when mm. Scott Norton starts shoving Bischoff. Uh, so that was good. But, uh, yeah, Mongo, you know what, man? This dude, if you say nothing else about Mongo, he always looked like he was having fun. You got that right. You know, and rest in peace, man. Uh, he passed away recently uh, following a long battle uh, with, I believe, cancer. Um, so uh, I think it was cancer. Mm-mm. No? Was it? Uh, what was it? Thought he had. He had. Larson's doing his research face ALS. right now. Oh, it was ALS. That's right. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Super sad. Uh, so anyways, uh, the first match, like we said, was Jushin Thunder Liger versus Flying Brian Pillman. Uh, th- another interesting thing here in the book was that Bischoff had said, you know, I knew also, that. Also, Amongo hasn't, hasn't, hasn't passed away yet. He's still alive. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yeah. I am so sorry about that. Holy shit. Okay, my bad. God, I thought I thought that had happened. Okay, my bad. Um <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to move on now because that's embarrassing. Uh, Bischoff understood fully that Jushin Thunder Liger was. I, it didn't say internet darling in here, but he said a favorite of like the wrestling of like wrestling fandom, basically. Yeah, basically internet darling. Yeah, internet. Yeah, internet darling would be accurate. Like '95, there was internet. Yeah, it was super early. Was all, I don't think it was all dial up. Of course, yeah. I had internet when I was a senior. Yeah, because I was a senior in high school at the time. Yeah. So I had, I had, yeah, in, in September 95, I just started my senior year. Yeah, yeah, I think so, that's about yeah. when, yeah, that's probably when we first got it too. Yeah, Hilton, edit this out. Um, Anyways, fucking cool match though. Got I swear to God they were doing stuff that a lot of these people probably just hadn't seen before. Oh, it's entirely especially, possible. Especially because all these people were probably just there to like go to fucking Sears. It's like, where's tomorrow? Oh, there's a wrestling match here? <laughs> Oh, is this the fake stuff? I'll watch this. Holy shit, a surfboard? That's cool. Oh, this dude's flipping to the outside. Look at that cool mask he's got on. You know, man. Sabaro can my order wait. I'm going to watch this. Sabaro's can wait. Yeah, exactly. The the great train. What it, the, the one, the most noticeable store in this setting yeah. was the great train store? Yeah. Do you know what that is? I assume they sell, like, model trains. 
Simply what because I would think actual trains would be, you know, too expensive to sell at a mall. So they had a whole ass store for model trains. Oh yeah, model trains at various points, but have been incredibly popular. Man, now I mean, now that's the most niche thing you, you got to fill them all do. with something, man. <laughs> Maybe they they open it. All right, rent's cheap. We got to fill this place. It's nuts to me though that like. I mean, I know the internet, like you weren't really doing, you weren't really selling things on the internet. I don't know what you were doing. You're just like emailing things yeah. back and forth, yeah. scamming people, I guess. Um, yeah, that, that, that probably popped up pretty early in days of internet, I would imagine, yes. <laughs> I know porn did, I think. Uh, but like, you know, yeah, you go to the mall, because yeah, the store looked giant. Yeah. So holy crap. Anyways. Anyway, yeah, uh, this is good. This was quality stuff here pillman gets the yeah, w they did like a super play like i wonder if people are like really curious about like hold on a second this guy he just did a superplex right why is he why is that not a finish you know like later on we get a leg drop yeah how is that but then this guy can't finish him off with a super like they probably think it sounds like an infinitely more impactful move than a leg drop <laughs> i know like they're probably thinking Jushin thunder liger this guy should be challenging ogan i know he's dropping people with superplex you I know? know exactly and not even that's not even his finish yeah, 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 exactly. The finish saw Pillman with like a victory roll type thing uh, uh, get the win here. But yeah, I thought this was a terrific match. Yeah, it was good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. After that, they show earlier in the day, and it's just Sting uh, in front of a bunch of people there at the mall. So it was probably like a half hour before they were rolling Mm -hmm. tape. Uh, And he says, Ric Flair! No one can hook the Scorpion Deathlock better than yours truly. Yeah. Start, yeah. Start pounding his chest there. Uh, he didn't do that in this, but you uh, could tell he had that look in his eye like he wanted to. Mm. So the next part is my favorite. It's Hulk Hogan at Pasta Mania. They somehow corralled a bunch of people who were just antsy for fucking pasta to like, you know, crowd him. <laughs> and act like they liked him. Yeah, go ahead. So for I'm just saying I'm just thinking, Hogan. If you're gonna uh, attach your IP onto something, you think yeah. you want it to be somewhat uh, uh, indicative or representative of the character of Hulk Hogan, right? <laughs> and when I think of someone who's huge and muscled up, I don't think them eating bowlfuls of pasta. <laughs> like what? What about a, a steak mania? You know. Well, honestly, he should have just done like a GNC integration, you know, yeah. like the the fucking you know supplement hey, of yeah, <laughs> Supp- supplement of 
Yeah, exactly. But no, yeah, steak, yeah. Well, it's funny because Bischoff intros this. He says, you know, Michael Jordan has his new restaurant. Don Shula has a steakhouse. Well, Hogan has pasta mania. And, uh, and, and Hogan is like, hey, everybody. Who's who's the greatest wrestler in the world? And the crowd is the crowd like by saying Liger. I saw what he did over there. How is it not the dude who just dropped that fool with the superplex? Right. So he's like, who's the greatest wrestler in the world? They're like, we just want our fucking ravioli. And he says, Pasta Mania is running wild, brother. He said, I got pasta mania running through my brain here on the first Nitro. He said, who's going to beat Bubba? I'm going to drag him all around the Mall of America. I'm going to give him a dose of my Hulkaroos. He looks up at the menu and there's some shit called Hulkaroos. Oh, my god! He says, and then this line cracks me up. He says, Big Bubba, you better tighten up your waistline because the Hulkster is slim and trim. I've been eating my pasta mania. And I'm like, hold on a second. No, you have not. No, you have not, sir. You're not eating this shit. I, I guarantee that. The Hulkster is slim and trim. No, man. All those fucking loaded empty carbs. Oh, man. I was I dying. So I dug up this article from the Sportster about pasta mania. Uh, and, 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 and so I'm just going to be reading from this article here. It says, pasta mania offered a selection of pasta for its customers opting to go for the mix and match route where pasta maniacs could pair a selection of five kinds of pasta with five different sauces. <laughs> the menu also boasted, quote, the Hulkster's favorite international pastas from around the world, with Hogan's supposed picks being beef stroganoff, Swedish meatballs, turkey tetrazzini, and pasta mexicana. That actually sounds good. Uh, the children's menu offered Hulkaroni and cheese, which is obviously macaroni and yeah. cheese. And as he had mentioned and recommended to Big Bubba, Hulkios, shaped in the image of Hulk Hogan himself. Um, it says from his flexing, from him flexing his famous pythons to a portrait of the wrestling icon who wouldn't want a taste of the Hulkster himself. Sadly, there are scarce accounts, scarce accounts, scarce, 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 scarce. Scarce accounts of anyone having visited Pasta Mania, but on an episode of the What Happened When podcast covering the debut episode of Nitro, commentator Tony Schiavone shared his own memory of the Pasta Mania food. It was okay, he said. Unsurprisingly, Hulk Hogan's Pasta Mania was not long for this world. It was only a matter of months until Pasta Mania was closed. Just another side venture of Hogan's that ended up in the garbage pile. So are the, is this, I don't know if this next part is a joke or not. But it says, residing there alongside the microwavable Hulkster burgers, Hogan energy drinks, the Hulk Hogan thunder mixer, and who knows how many even worse projects that didn't make it off the ground. I've never heard of any of those. Yeah, I haven't heard of any of those. Oh, my God. I haven't heard of any of them. So, yeah, we get our Pasta Mania uh, 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 promo there uh, in advance of uh, Ric Flair versus Sting match. Uh, and after both competitors enter the ring, the narcissist shows up. Now, another interesting thing that I had not known prior was when Lex Luger was originally going to debut his narcissist gimmick in mm -hmm. WWF, mm -hmm. part of the first episode of Raw was this really extensive Bobby Heenan video promo where he's talking about he's got this new client named Narcissist. And it was, his name wasn't Narcissist, it was Narcissist. Mm -hmm. And Vince threw to it and was like, oh, we're going to find out now more about Narcissist. And I was like, the fuck is this guy? 
And then he starts talking about narcissism. Well, the thing about Heenan, one of the greatest talkers of all time, is that he had a very slight lisp. And when he would say narcissist, it it was the most painful thing to watch because this promo, I swear to God, is like five minutes of him just talking into the camera against a blue background and him just constantly saying narcissist. Yeah. And it's the most uncomfortable thing because you could tell he hates saying this word. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually they just called Lex Luger, Lex Luger, the narcissist. The narcissist. Yeah. 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 Uh, found, so anyways. I always found mm-hmm. interesting because I, uh, I watched the Luger A&E biography. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the quote about from Bischoff, how he didn't like Luger per- personally or professionally and lowballed yeah. him with an <clears throat> offer. Yeah. Thinking he would pass on it. Mm-hmm. Um, in the biography, they, they made a point of saying that Lex had been on the Lex Express for months and he was totally burned out during the whole experience. Yeah, right. And I know that didn't directly precede uh, his his return to WCW, but it just seemingly kind of soured him on the whole WWF experience because they built him up so much to be kind of the heir apparent to Hogan. It yeah. didn't happen. Yeah, right. Yeah. And yeah. when that didn't happen, I mean, there's actually a quote from Pritchard on that episode where he's talking about Luger, you know, he's on a bus for three months straight, basically, doesn't see his family. Yeah, right. That, quite understandably, Luger's a little tired of the whole thing. And yeah, Bruce right. says something along the lines, yeah, I saw that, and I could see he wasn't our guy. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, but that's the gist of it. Dude, um, like, he's he's not willing or, or, or had any desire. Does it, like, why didn't they just kayfabe the bus shit? I don't know. Because like, they actually had him go around big... and make appearances and do autograph yeah. signings and stuff, and he's there signing autographs. And you could tell he's a, he just wants to fall asleep or something. He's oh exhausted. Oh my god! And there's a what there's a, 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 a interesting little behind the scenes bit where Vince is directing him for some promo or vignette or something, and Luger keeps forgetting his lines. Ooh! And Vince is like, "Hey, it's all right. Yeah, it's like it's fine. Let's take a breath. Essentially, mm-hmm. don't put the pressure on yourself and just let it happen." Yeah. Um, it just seemed like at that point he was just totally done with WWF. Mm-hmm. And yeah. his WF contract, I believe, uh, expired the day before he appeared on Nitro. Yeah, wow. Because, yeah, this was talking about how um so he went from a house Luger, show directly to there, I think. Yeah, so it was like, uh, where is it here? Uh, Luger. Hold on a second. Uh, yeah, so it says in between matches, uh, Sting often t- spent time on the phone with Larry Fall, a.k.a. Luger. Mm-hmm. Um, during one such talk, Fole let it slip. He was currently working without a written agreement. So according to this, according to this, he said, he told Sting, I haven't been under a contract for six months. Hmm. Vince and I are working on a handshake deal. In total disbelief, Sting gathered himself and suggested a return to WCW might be a good career move. He says, so contractually, you're a free agent right now. If you don't mind, I'll speak with Eric Bischoff. Um, <clears throat> so uh, uh, Bischoff recalls offering... Uh, Lex, a paltry $150,000 a year contract, mm-hmm. some $350,000 a year less than Lex had been making with WWF. Moreover, the offer was a conditional one based only on his willingness to leave McMahon's company without a trace. Uh, are you saying I can't give Vince any kind of notice? Lex asked. That's correct. Um, let's see here. Uh, I know there was one more little bit about that uh about luger here i don't have it right here in front of me oh here we go um no that's not it 
Yeah, I mean they they did the thing where they like they snuck him in. So yeah, oh yeah, here yeah. we go. Yeah, they. they it says meanwhile, like long jacket or something the, like that. Oh okay, so here. Meanwhile, in the time since his summit with Bischoff, Luger received a formal contract offer from Vince McMahon. In an unusual lapse of attention, McMahon was oblivious to the possibility of covert Atlanta, Atlanta talks, but regardless, this offer failed to address several pre-existing points of contention. On Friday, September 1st, Lex called Sting to inquire about Bischoff's earlier proposal. Two days later, uh, on Sunday, 24 hours before the Minneapolis Nitro, and incredibly, the same day as Luger was advertised to appear on a WWF card in New Brunswick, Canada, Bischoff reiterated the terms of the deal. 150000 per year, no notice. Everything has to be kept under wraps. I'm in said Lex Luger. So according to the documentary, he was actually under contract. I thought that's, I mean, it was a while ago that I saw it, but yeah, sure. But it was, yeah, it was actually yeah. a thing where he just was on a WB show one day. The next day he was on. Yeah. Nitro. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It says uh, at the airport, he was bundled into a van and driven to a hotel separate from the other wrestlers, minimizing the risk of being seen by fans camping out in the lobby for autographs and pictures. To ensure that no one, not even the boys themselves, could potentially leak out word of his defection, he was instructed to wait in his room until just before showtime. Upon arriving at the mall, he was escorted to an isolated area away from detection, a towel covering his head for good measure. Bischoff then delivered pertinent instructions. At the outset of the Flair Sting match, Luger would first appear, and then at the very end of the show, you'll come out again and get nose-to-nose with Hulk Hogan. So yeah, uh, before the match starts, but after Sting and Flair are in the ring, Luger saunters out. You can sort of see him like, you know, cross the, uh, the path of the, the great train store. Yeah. And, and then uh, he just stands there with his hands on his hips. And then he, if I'm not mistaken, like uh, he just quantum leaps. Yeah. Cause the match happens. Yeah. Sting is sort of looking like this guy didn't Flair's like, woo, let's move. Come on, let's do this. So they have the match. Uh, and it's it's a good match because it's Flair and Sting. Yeah. Uh, Flair towards the finish locks on a figure four, and Sting is trying to reverse it. He's trying to reverse it, thereby reversing the pressure and sending pain shooting to Ric Flair. But Flair gets his way to the ropes for leverage so he can keep it on. Well, Randy Anderson, the ref, comes over. He counts five, six, seven. He's like, "Come on, Flair, let it go, let it go, let it go." And then finally, the bell rings. Now during the match, Arn Anderson had also walked out. And him and Flair, I guess, had beef at the time uh, because he gets in the ring immediately. Flair stands up. Flair takes uh, Arn Anderson takes his shirt off. Flair punches him, uh, and then they start brawling to the outside. They sort of disappear for a second. Arn comes back, grabs his shirt, stares at Sting, and then leaves again. Hmm. So that's how all that all went down. Yeah, there's a lot um, of history between all well, you know Sting and oh yeah, Marshman all those guys, Luger for that too. Yeah, exactly. So all that takes place, and I kind of like this because immediately. Scott and an angry Scott Norton shows up near commentary. Like we haven't gone to commercial or nothing. Like Scott Norton shows up and he's got a piece of paper in his hand that he claims is a contract. And he's like, I signed the contract. I signed this contract. And then, uh, and he steps up and he sort of shoves Bischoff and Mongo steps up, yeah. you know, he's defending his dude and Norton's in his face. Like, Oh, come on, let's go ahead and let's throw. Well, macho man shows up. And he sort of shoves Norton, and he's like, oh, yeah, let's do this. And Norton's like, well, what are we waiting for? Let's do this. And Macho Man says, we're not waiting for nothing. Let's do it now. The mall is going fucking crazy right now. Wow. Macho Man gets in the ring. He's ready to throw down. There's probably a lot of sad people working at Sabaro thinking that half those people there are supposed to be in line for a Stromboli. They're like, this is the the, the lightest crowd we've ever had. But, like, you know, in about 45 minutes, they're going to be coming over here. They're going to be hungry, hungry. watching all that wrestling. Yeah, exactly. So Bischoff's like, no, fuck this. Let's go to this video package of 
Sabu. Now, upon the, the rewatch of this, I had totally forgotten that Sabu had a video package and was even in WC. Yeah, I, I had totally forgotten about that, too. The video package has a lot of strobe effect. It does have a lot of strobe like, effect. Almost yeah. like a nauseating <clears throat> amount of strobe effect. It's almost like yeah, an impressionist painting what, like what, as you're watching it. <laughs> Because you just, yeah. you just see like smears of, of, of an image without like <laughs> Hint, hints, mere hints, hints of yes, Sabu. Yes, yes. Going so, through tables and shit. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it is very uh, impressionistic. Uh, and they're using they're using the, the familiar. Uh, so when when you heard the, the it didn't sound the, like DDPs because it didn't have the okay. the because like DDPs. There was like, no self high five in it. Well, that and like the the chord change from DDP's theme is pretty much just smells like that's what I with thought. Like a couple chords reversed, and this one didn't have the same kind of chord progression. It strayed it. a bit more from it, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 very much of the times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah, but uh, and it's just a bunch of footage of Sabu doing shit at like you know house shows and and Saturday night maybe. I don't know. I don't know if he had actually debuted. No, actually, no. well, according to Wikipedia, he didn't debut until September 11th. But I wonder maybe, if he wrestled like dark matches or something because this yeah maybe like he did that matches in a WCW ring as opposed yeah to that's right there were a couple logos here ECW, and there, so yeah so. yeah um, so anyways uh, yeah so Sabu did wrestle in WCW from September of '95 uh, to March of '96 so not very long at all he did have matches against Alex Wright Jerry Lynn and his final match was a win over Disco Inferno so yeah uh, after that we come back from commercial Mean Gene is in the ring. And he says something along the lines of, oh, boy, here we are at the Mall of America. I had to think I could have purchased this property back in 1954 for $17,000. But then again, I was eight years old. Let's go to a commercial or some shit like that. Was, it was weird. Was, oh, no, no. Then he announces the winner of a Harley Davidson sweepstakes. Was it, I was, <clears throat> feel like that Metropolitan Stadium was probably there in 1954. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, it's built in 56, so. Ah, okay. He might have said as early as fifty-two. I forget okay. exactly. Okay, so I guess that's what he's saying. He he could have he could have owned the land that the stadium was built on, get money there. They tear that down, build the mall. So was it like just nothing going on there before the stadium was built? That's why they were able to buy it for so cheap. Probably. Okay. Well, who knows? Anyways, it's it's funny because like one of the things that Bischoff had said was. WWF was aimed at kids. They were going for 18 to 31 was the specific number he mentioned here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, yeah, me and Gene in there talking about buying property <laughs> in the 1950s. I'm like, I'm not sure how that really appeals yeah, to you. Yeah, I don't you, know. I don't really. And then you got, you got uh, Bischoff's motorcycle fandom coming into play here, giving away a Harley too, huh? Yeah, so then they had uh, the winner of uh, the Harley-Davidson sweepstakes – Mike Hill from Coleman, Alabama. They fucking gave this guy in 1995 Harley Softtail, which I had to look that up because I'm unlike Eric Bischoff. I'm not. It's an actual motorcycle. Well, I know it's a motorcycle, but I don't know what a soft tail means. I don't know what that means. I mean, I thought maybe, oh, is it a jacket? <laughs> you know, they gave oh, an yeah. actual motorcycle. Yeah. But then they didn't, like, show the guy or anything. It was just like a quick screen. Oh, congratulations, Mike Hill from Coleman, Alabama. Like, I'm kind of curious. I, I actually forget. what What is a sweepstakes? What? Like, yeah, is it like a lottery or something? Like, what is well, it? You just call yeah, in and put your name in? Like, you put your name in and they draw, yeah. So it's like a lottery, but Kinda, you don't pay yeah, for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Do you pay for it? I don't think so. Because <laughs> I honestly, when it was like sweepstakes, I was like, oh, yeah, how do you enter that? Like, what do you do? Well, it wasn't the publisher's clearinghouse of sweepstakes, <laughs> but you had to buy magazines to get in that. 
I fucking have no. I honestly don't know. Yeah, you did. I remember because I was like, "Mom, they have the commercials. They they come up to show your house the giant check." Yeah, I want but a giant why check. do they give you a check though? Because you buy a certain amount of magazines. I think back in the day, you bought X number of magazines that get you a certain number. This, I could be way off. Certain number of entries into the sweepstakes. Sort of like a raffle. Okay, so okay, so you're no, you're so sweepstakes are free. So it's illegal to require you to buy something or pay to enter your to increase your odds of winning. Okay. Yeah. So you only get one shot. Okay. All right. But then a lottery you pay to get into. Yeah. Or like a okay. raffle you pay to get into that. Right. Yeah. 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 Really? They call okay. it publishing clearinghouse call the sweepstakes made you buy shit and you could they, they they lied. They said sweepstakes were free to enter. So you just said right. According to this very basic, uh, they made you pay OAG. to get into that one. Yeah. Because I was like, well, let's enter. We get a well, giant don't check. Pay. I think you have to buy something. You have which to is buy something. Paying for it. Well, yeah. You, you have to buy something to gain entry. Mm. You're essentially paying for it, but you get something else in return. <laughs> that's that's what they call a loophole. I guess so. Uh, so, anyways, so like, mom, uh, give, me a, we, give me a subscription to Sports Illustrated or something, and we can get in and get this giant check. What do you say? Can I get WWF magazine and then get into the WCW sweepstakes? I don't think it works that way. No. So, anyways, we got a promo here for WCW Saturday Night. Johnny B. Bad, who would be hugely problematic these days, versus Dick Slater. I'm so, yeah, versus Dick Slater, Dirty Dick Slater, uh, Sting and the Macho Man versus the Blue Bloods, uh, not terrorizing and Regal. It was Regal and uh, I don't know Dave Taylor. Dave Taylor, probably yeah, I think Dave Taylor. And then we're gonna get a big update about Fall Brawl War Games, but I don't know what that was. Uh, talk to me about promo, this, right? What did you think about this Michael Wall Street problem? Why did he never look at the camera? <laughs> Why is it one of the best talkers of our generation came forth, was sprung from the loins of one of the worst talkers of his generation? So, so imagine I'm I'm Michael Wall Street, and this yeah. is the camera right here. You're looking at the camera. Yeah. So imagine if I'm doing the whole show like this. <laughs> only occasionally doing yeah. that. Yeah. Like twice well, in a minute. With, with our little boxes, it looks like we're talking to each exactly, other. Exactly. You knows. know? But yeah, but when you're tr- when you're supposed to be speaking to somebody, you're just doing. When you're supposed to connect with your audience, and oh, you're looking off. Nerd. You know, you do. You know what? A, you know probably is. He's coming from WWF. And Vince had a thing about people look. Well, I guess he some 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 of them he did. Hogan would always look in the camera. Yeah, a lot those of old interviews you look in the, the camera. I think the not looking the camera thing was a more recent deal. They like they literally yeah, right. had whole promos where people were in front of the green screen. That's all they would do. Yeah, talk that's all to the camera. Do. Oh, dude, I don't know. Then, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're cue cards. That could be. This is a pretty extensive. Uh, so pretty, once again, he dogs the WWF's new generation. The few generations. He says, yeah, he says, uh, he says the, the new generation is nothing but the few generation, which is terrible. He says, I'm in WCW because it's all about power and money. He says, you know, you got the best wrestlers in the world here. Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. Randy Savage, Vader, Dude, go watch, Sting. Go watch Jushin Thunder Liger. You'll update your list. <laughs> Chush and Thunder Liger. Now you can add Michael Wall Street to that list. And then this is annoying. He says, I'm sure the IRS is going to be watching, but that's cool because as you go down the road, you'll know for sure that Michael Wall Street is a real player. This is what bugs me about that. You can totally make an IRS reference because that was his deal in WWF. Yeah. But at least try to make it clever. Yeah. Say, I'm sure the IRS is going to be watching, but that's okay because I always pay my taxes or something like that. You know, like yeah. Or, uh, or I've left. That's, beha- be cool. yeah. that's cool because I have a great accountant and, and several <laughs> offshore accounts that can't be traced. <laughs> right. Ex- yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. Like he's trying to evade the IRS. Yes. Yeah. But he just it was just to throw that in there to throw it in there. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Again, one of the more creative minds of our generation sprang forth 
from from this guy. Yeah. Uh, then we got our main event. Big Bubba Rogers versus Hulk Hogan. This is interesting to me because it was like kind of like after, but not that long after. So Big Bubba Rogers, of course, came in uh, like Boss Man came in as like basically just Boss Man again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then WWF was like, this dude's his boss man. You can't do that. And so he became the guardian angel. Guardian angel, yeah. Right, which was like an actual group of like street vigilantes back yeah, then. Yeah, That wore like red jackets and like red caps. Red berets, yeah. Red berets, yeah. Yeah. And so he became that. But then uh, I guess during a rivalry with Sting, uh, I, I looked this up. He said, I'm going back to my roots. I'm Big Bubba Rogers. But then it, all he was, he just wore like a suit. And yeah. I don't know if he was supposed to be like, was he supposed to be like, maybe he had turned from like a street cop, like a uniform to like a detective. Maybe he's a PI. Or like a, a PI or like maybe a lieutenant of some sort because he came out with two uniformed officers yeah. to his match. Yeah. yeah. So you'd think some sort of detective then. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Like, oh, look at this lab now. Look at this crime scene here. That's about to go down. I'm about to get slaughtered <laughs> by fucking Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> with a leg drop it's funny what cracks me up though is that because you know you'd always heard like around the time when hogan left wwf is because he couldn't hack the idea that people didn't fucking like him anymore yeah, yeah. like the crowd was starting to turn on him they wanted more uh you know interesting uh dynamic characters like sid yes um, of course he doesn't want sid <laughs> and hogan had a hard time accepting this so he's like i'm gonna go you know uh go do thunder in paradise and then he realized that was crap. So he was like, well, WCW will pay me a lot of money and, and let me do whatever I want. So I'll do that. Well, like in the front row, front row, two huge cardboard signs. One says Hogan stinks. And the other one says uh, Hogan is. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. It does say Hogan sucks. It's not even it's not even like the lighter version of sucks. It's, it sucks. Uh, and then one is uh, Hogan is a wimp, which is a bit more PG than Hogan sucks. Yeah. Um, he'd only been back about a year because he signed with WCW '94. '94, yeah. So people are already fucking sick of his shit. Yeah, I mean it's the same thing maybe, over maybe, and over. Maybe they went to Pasta Mania and had like some diarrhea. Afterwards. That could be. They got food poisoning. They're like ah, this Hulk Hulkaroni and cheese really fucked my stomach up. You're a wimp, Hogan. Your food sucks. <laughs> Anyways, seven minutes later, and seven minutes after this match starts, leg drop. Or big boot, leg drop, and guess who wins? Or correctly, this match is kind of garbage too. Yeah, it's not a very good match. I was, I was, I was watching it, and I was like, man, I thought Steve Austin said Big Boss Man was like one of the most underrated big men. And uh, I mean, he 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 always moved really well. Yeah, yeah, he could move really well, but like you're in there with Hogan, you're just you know, hey brother, we're gonna do it's it just my way. Punch, punch, punch. That's all it is. Nothing that interesting. So, so right after this match, Dungeon of Doom attacks. They were feuding with uh, Hogan mm-hmm, for like ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Luger gets in and, and he helps out and they're, it's all frenzied and stuff and they're getting everybody away, uh, including, uh, the Zodiac, the booty man, mm-hmm. beefcake and then beefcake. Yeah. And then they back into each other and whoa, they think that they're bad guys, each other, but then they're like, yeah. And then they're about to throw and then sting and macho man jump in there and they're, they're I'm here to keep things civil. Yeah. And then they're sort of keeping away from each other. Uh, Hogan's like, oh, you need to go back to where you came from, meaning to another dig at WWF. <clears throat> and so we go to commercial. Now, according to the guy Evans Nitro book, when they announced that they went to commercial, 
Luger stopped being in character. And he just he just sort of was like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. And Hogan fucking yelled at him. And he says something long, along the lines of, you're messing with my family's money, brother. You better shaping up. Oh something like that. And so Luger was like, oh, shit. This is where the big boys play, right? Yeah. And so he gets back into it. Apparently after they went off the air, he tried to apologize to Hogan, but Hogan wasn't having any of it. So I'm kind of shocked that like two years later, Hogan dropped the title to him clean. Yeah. 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 So uh, back from commercial, Luger says, I'm here for one reason. You're the number one wrestler in the world. Apparently, he didn't see Jushin Thunder Liger's match. No, he was, yeah, no, he came too late for that. He says, You wear he was at the great train store instead. There we go. You wear that belt. That makes you the only world champion. And I'm here to take that ba- belt. And, uh, and then, yeah, Hogan says, Let me tell you something, brother. And then Luger's like, No, you let me finish. He says, So I've, I've been where you've been, WWF. I've beaten the same people you've beaten, Yokozuna. Wait, no, maybe not. No. Yeah, well, he body slammed him. He body slammed, but he didn't beat him. Those count out counts. Yeah, that's. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it does. Technically, it does. You're right. Yeah, Yokozuna. Yeah. He says, I'm tired of playing with kids. I'm here to get it on with the big boys. That means you. I don't care if it's next month, next year, five years from now, I'm going to get my shot. And Hogan says, he says, you see this, brother? And he pulls up the championship. He says, I'm the champ. He says, you've been playing games. He says, I know where you started. I know where you've been. And uh, when you come here and get in my face, there's thousands of Hulkamaniacs at my back. Not those two guys right there with the sign that says Hogan's a wimp and Hogan sucks. But all these other people are Hulkamaniacs. He says, but as great as you may be, and I know you're great, you don't have to prove anything to me, brother. We don't have to wait till next week or next month. You just stick that stinky paw of yours out there, brother. I'll shake it, and I will put it on the line next week. So you will have to wait till next week in (laughs) Miami right here in Nitro. It was funny because like Luger saying, I might have to wait five years to get my shot. And then Hogan saying, you don't have to wait till next week, but I'll put it on the line next week. <laughs> so fucking weird. That is weird. Uh, and then and then that's that's it. That's Nitro for you. <laughs> the very first. I'll be honest with you. Like compare the two, the first Nitro, the first Raw. The first Nitro's got it going on. Yeah, man. it's a much better show. It is. It is a much better show. Absolutely. Uh, let's see here. We do have some questions about. The first Nitro uh, right here on the Patreon. Uh, Steve Klein says, where would be the most inappropriate place to wear that great Lex Luger puffy shirt, the pirate shirt that he was wearing? It was a collarless shirt. The most inappropriate place. I'd say a pool party. You're supposed to be wearing like board shorts or a swimsuit or whatever. Well, you can wear board shorts and then have your puffy shirt on. Not entirely appropriate, though. I mean, that's not ideal. You'd get a lot of questions. You probably would, but yeah. What's up with that shirt? It's a pirate shirt. We're going. All right, take it off. We're going swimming. It's water here, pirates. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. All right. Well, give me give me a less appropriate Vash place. Has a, good, a good one here. Eating some messy ribs. You go to Chili's. <laughs> you want some of those baby back ribs? Do you want a bib, sir? No, I'm good. Oh shit! <laughs> you look down. You got sauce all over your shirt. Yeah, monster to throw that shit in the garbage. That ain't coming out. That's good. Uh, Nikhile says, "What was the first Windows slash Mac computer you ever used?" Mine was Windows ninety five. Of course, this was nineteen ninety five. So Windows ninety five. You stop me up. Stop me up. Never stop. Probably was Windows ninety five. The first Windows Mac computer I ever, the first Windows computer I ever used, God, what were what was it back then? 
the actual designation of the computer because everybody had like some it was like a slight variation depending yeah, yeah, on you got yeah, the expensive yeah, one or not. Yeah, I yeah. forget. It's like an A three or some shit. I don't yeah. know what it was. Uh, but yeah, no, mine was a Windows ninety five. Yeah, but Windows we had 95. like a Commodore sixty four before. Yeah, I had that. One, we had one of those too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Louis Ariza asked, "What are some hobbies you guys had that you wish you had continued? What are some hobbies you had in nineteen ninety five that you wish you had continued?" I mean, I was buying comic books on the reg until I don't know. I don't really buy. I mean, I still do. I go to the comic book store quite a bit. That was the only hobby I ever had. My hobby in nineteen ninety five was playing guitar, and I still do that. So, yeah, I'm trying to think. Is there any other hobbies that I had back then? I don't really have any other hobbies. Was that I don't know, holding up in my room and being a nerd. Uh, I still do that to this day. It's my job. Mondo says rank the WCW careers of the following wrestlers better known for their WWE runs: Piper, Savage, Hart. Macho Man probably had the best WCW career out of all of them. I agree with that. And I actually don't even think it's that close. I agree with that, actually, yeah. <clears throat> and then it's probably yeah. Brett, and then it's probably Piper, because Piper was not around very much, if memory serves. He wasn't around very much, and a lot of his promos, like I watched a Brian Zane video oh. about Piper's time in WCW. Dude, his promos were fucking horrible. You can't, like, none of those are appropriate these days. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's all the questions we have for the WCW Nitro Episode 1 review. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate it. Uh, what? Oh, actually, we can talk about this real quick. Hmm. What do you want to do next? What about the first uh, uh, episode of uh, Hardcore TV, ECW? So do you want to put that up and for a vote against Tried Raw again? Yeah, let's try Raw again. See yeah. what people, you know, see what people want. Okay. So we'll put that up to vote for uh, the patrons and the YouTube channel members. And then next month, February, we will do uh, we'll do that. All right. Sounds great. Uh, and then you can watch it uh, exclusive uh, for a timed exclusive on the, the Patreon and uh, the YouTube. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. sorry, Patreon and, yeah, YouTube channel members. Uh, and then I'll go live for the channel uh, like a couple weeks after that. Indeed. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate it. Till next time, we'll talk to you later. Goodbye. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.